0: welcome to inside the hive i am your host nick bilton and i'm going to warn you right now everything we talk about today on the podcast is completely and utterly fake it's all bs and here to talk about that fake stuff fake news is joe pompeo joe Welcome to the show. It's your first time here. I, I feel like I'm like I'm.
1: I feel like I'm one of the cool kids now. You know, because I, I listen and I hear. I mean, I'm am no Emily Jane Fox, so I hope you have your expectations yeah. appropriately low. Well, my, we will judge you
0: after this. After the show, we will. We will. The people they love to leave mean comments on the internet, so they will if they don't like it. Let's just tell our listeners uh, who you are, why you're here, and. Uh, and we'll, and I'll get into what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, I,
1: well, I cover media for for Vanity Fair, um, and I'm here because you want to talk about about uh, all the things happening in the in the media uh, right now, um, fake news and 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 Fox News and and, and that's the same Trump, thing. Trump attacking fake, the fake news. right, Fox yeah, news. fake Fox News. Trump attacking the news. <laughs> Trump attacking Fox News.
0: Uh, um, yeah. So let's just jump in. So I um, I have a million questions for you. It feels to me, as someone who's not a professional, uh, very in this industry, but a little bit, um, that the, the the attacks on the media by Trump and company have been not only kind of turned up a notch in the last few months, but, but have been different. They've, they've been more intense. There have been some kind of dark ops stuff going on that we can get into. Am I just assuming that is, or is that correct? Has it really gotten like worse? No,
1: it it feels like it's definitely been more intense. Wasn't was there like a day a few weeks ago? I mean I I was um kind of on a quasi uh, paternity leave the last two weeks of, of August. So I was like not fully paying attention, but there was some day in there where, where didn't he didn't have some like AM tweet storm of like 20 tweets in a row attacking the Washington Post and the the new. I mean, it, it's, it definitely feels like the, the severity is dialed up. And yes, there are some um, kind of formalizing efforts to uh, discredit um, journalists that there, there, it's kind of happening amongst um you know kind of unspecified allies in 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 Trump world who are uh, you know, you know, compiling dossiers, uh, like old, embarrassing tweets and inappropriate social media posts. That... So t-
0: tell us, explain that, what happened with that? Because that, to me, is just kind of almost a little bit, you know, Vladimir Putin terrifying. <laughs> kind of walk us through what what recently happened and what's kind of been, what's been, you know, shown uh, that's going on, not just in the Trump administration, but kind of in this conservative dark ops so world.
1: We've, so there have been examples of this where, you know, you'll see, you know, we've seen like certain Trump allies, you know, kind of like surface some old tweet of, you know, a, a reporter they want to attack here here and there. I mean, it's, it's as a tactic. It's not too unfamiliar. But a couple of weeks ago, like late August, there was a big New York Times front page story about um, Trump allies targeting journalists over, you know, unfavorable coverage, coverage that the administration deems hostile. So what you know what was described was this loose network of operatives um, you know who have kind of combed uh, you know, archives of social media posts, Twitter posts of journalists at, you know all the out, all the outlets you'd expect: the Times, the Washington Post, where you know uh, you know probably pretty much any uh, of the so-called fake news uh, enemy of the people type of outlets that the administration hates. Perhaps some of us at Vanity Fair, um, and they they basically said we have you know they have this trove of um, you know dirty laundry to 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 air and expose you know the journalists and these outlets for their hypocrisy. So so the the the, the example that was used in this article um, to, to kind of like demonstrate this tactic was there was a. A couple of articles that the Trump people were unhappy with, and I should say that the, I think officially, the, you know, the, the the White House and the administration, you know, denies any knowledge of this. This is like people affiliated with the campaign, or just people who are who are friendly to the president, or or whatever. It's not. Um, the White House itself. But th- there was some Times reporting they were unhappy with. There was a profile t- t coming out on Stephanie Grissom, the new press secretary, that they thought was like a hit job. So, to combat this, they released to Breitbart some very, um, not just embarrassing, but like bad tweets from. Uh, a, a guy who is described as a senior staff editor on the uh, political staff editor on the New York Times where these were these were like anti-Semitic tweets from when this guy was in college or something. And, I, you know, to not to, um, uh, you, you know, suggest that's acceptable in any way, but the tweets were more on the like really bad, immature joke Level of anti-Semitism as, then, as most
0: tweets are. Then, correctly. then like yeah. this
1: guy's a Nazi or something like that. So, so with that caveat, so they so they released these articles, um, these, these tweets to Breitbart, to you know say, well, you know look at this, you know this 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 senior staffer at the New York Times, um, you know posting these anti-Semitic tweets. Look how hypoc- hypocritical they are, and they and they released the tweets. They started up and um, you know to basically undermine all of the New York times credibility overall in reality, you know, and you worked at the Times, So, you know, this like a senior staff editor might sound like a big job, someone really important at the times, you know, um, You know, someone reading this might think that, like, the person who runs all political coverage for The Times or something, like, you you know, uh, tweeted a bunch of anti-Semitic jokes when they were in in, in college. But, you know, this is, like, a person who's young who is editing a political newsletter or something. He's in in no way, like, reflective of the organization or even necessarily, like, a position of power at the organization. But nonetheless, they're using – they're weaponizing tweets even of, like, kind of, like, you know, random anonymous editors to, like, undermine – the credibility of the Times when they're unhappy with its reporting. And so they say this group says, you know, that they, they claim that they have, this is just the tip of the iceberg. They have so much more dirt than the, that, you know, waiting to, to be used um, uh, against these these outlets that they think are, are are unfair. So that's kind of what's happening. And the, uh, the ironic part is that since this front page Times article came out, uh, you know, there was another report a few days ago from, from Axios um, where, you know, now – They're kind of formalizing the effort. Supposedly, you know, Mike Allen got his hands on like a prospectus for for um, uh, you know this this project, and they're trying to they're raising
0: money. Um, So, so perspective for a Republican uh, uh, project to kind of go after journalists. Yeah, for this this group,
1: this this kind of shadowy group. Um, has been circulating like a prospectus um, about you know how it's going to be uh, you know targeting you know these news outlets and they're raising money and it's basically basically the effort what was maybe like a loosey goosey sort of uh, you know effort is now a- apparently it seems becoming a little more a little more formal that's the, the latest thing that's happening I've been talking to a bunch of White House reporters about this and you know the reaction is kind of like I, I think some of them feel like you know, the the coverage has been a little overblown. Like, yes, this is a real thing, but let's not give these people too much credit. You know, um, what they're really doing is, is mining, you know, like Twitter feeds and trying to find like whatever... You know, a random tweet someone someone made ten years ago. To, you know, we're not exactly shaking in our boots here. At the same time, there's also a you know there is a level of concern of like, God, have I ever said anything stupid that could that could be used against me? Is someone going to dredge up some um, you know some tweet of mine that will become a thing? And so so it's it's an it's an interesting like mix of eye rolling, you know, genuine concern, and also like you know I think they they think it's it's kind of bullshit, you know, that they that
0: um that they're going after them in this way. Well, what's so frustrating in this whole thing is, well, first of all, the fact that the U.S. government uh, and the president of the United States and his, his his people are this is the way they deal with with press they don't like, um, which is just fucking mind boggling, to be quite frank. But the other part of it that's so frustrating is that, okay, great, you want to play, you want to play dirty. Well, then we should play dirty too. But of course, no one on the Democratic side is going to kind of is going to kind of do that. And even if they did. There wouldn't be any repercussions for it. Like if you went and found like some some vile racist tweets by like a Breitbart reporter, they'd be like, "Yeah, great, I'm going to embed that in my next article." It's not. Uh, it doesn't seem like the playing field is kind of equal in this mm-hmm. front. Well, uh, I think that
1: you know what, and this is to play devil's advocate, what um, the pushback to that would probably be. Well, what about media matters? That's what they've been doing. Uh, to conservatives for, for for years now, right? This is kind of the same tactic, but with no results, right? Some, I mean, sometimes look results. At- you know, some people would say that uh, Media Matters helped topple. Um, you know, they led uh, advertiser boycotts against like Bill O'Reilly and stuff. You know, some sometimes results. More recently, you're right, though. In the beginning, maybe
0: Tucker not Tucker Carlson would. You know, Tucker Carlson yeah. gets caught saying all these vile things about like underage girls and just, I mean, just awful stuff. And you know, he's like still has his own popular TV show. So I don't know. I, I, I see what you're saying, but I also think it it kind of reminds me of the Al Franken in, in, um, right. incident where, you know, Al Franken is, you know, all of his cohorts come after him, tell him to resign. And, and, you know, and, and when he gets accused of, of being related to me too stuff and Donald Trump is she's too ugly for me to have done that to her. Like, you know? It's right. Just... Well, it's also, it also
1: shows how much you just come to expect that sort of thing to come yeah. out of these people. I think that what these people would say is probably like, well, we're just using the tactic. We're just, you know, turning the tactic around on on you guys. You know, you shouldn't be, you are you shouldn't be, you know, exempt from scrutiny. And some people, you know, there's definitely a contrarian, uh, you know, I think Jack Schaefer in Politico wrote wrote a, com- uh, wrote a column, a kind of a uh, classically uh, contrarian Jack Schaefer column about how, you know, journalists uh, tweets that should be fair game. I think Hamilton Nolan wrote something. Pretty similar on on Splinter. It's, it's interesting sometimes. There's like a, um, a unification of like lefty and righty viewpoints around these things. But I, I just think that's the pushback that someone in this group would probably give you. You know, is like, well, this is what the media has been doing for for years. You know, and we're just uh, yeah, yeah. we're just turning it turning it around on you guys now. Um, but I feel like the for for the reporters who are in the crosshairs. For if, if anything, this has just driven home. You know, the fact that they for the until the election are just going to be it's going to be all out
0: war, basically, you know, with. Well, that was that was my next my next question was, you know, when you look at the election um, and the attacks on The New York Times, for example, you know this is an age-old trick that you, you don't like something I mean Hitler did it you know it's like it goes back decades and decades and decades it probably goes back thousands of years but you don't like something you say it's not not real and and it doesn't the thing that I don't understand is it does it work when when Trump comes out and he says oh that's fake news it's bullshit uh, it's all made up the sources aren't real uh, they don't have real sources the whole story is just a complete sham does that have any impact on people's viewpoints? Or is it essentially like the people that already hate the New York Times and love Fox News continue to hate and love the New York Times and loves Fox News and vice versa?
1: You know, to me, the impact it's had is just like, you know, the creation of these two alternate universes um, where I think there was probably a time before this era where Um, you know, certain people would still just believe anything that a big newspaper like the New York Times said. And these types of people who have kind of bought into the kind of Trump world, propaganda, I think now believe that, you know, if, if they, if Trump says that the New York Times or the Washington Post makes up sources, that's what they believe. You could see like, there's like probably certain people that like, you know, I went to high school with, you know, that, you know, you see what they're posting on Facebook and you're like, oh, these people really believe that like uh, reporters are just making shit up, you know, and, and there's a lot of people in the the country like that who, you know, maybe even a few years ago were not um, subscribing to, you know, an extreme view like that. Um, But at the same time, does it have an effect for like the vast, you know, the majority of like reality-based Americans. I mean, in in that sense, it has an effect of probably galvanizing uh, people even even more. You know, galvanizing you know like the resistance or whatever we want to call it. I mean, really for me, it's 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 just like sharpened like the two the two parallel universes that seem to be existing. right now with people there you know there's either you're, either you're a person who like will believe that trump tweet about you know uh you know, the, the 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 fake news media just makes up sources they don't have sources or you're a person who
0: doesn't believe it you know <laughs>
1: do you do you feel that way at all i like-
0: I, I think that um i think that at uh, the, the the point and in, and in, in, that we're in in this country right now that there are there's essentially two different um it, it, it's just it as you said it's two different universes there's a universe of people that believe anything that they see on fox news and there's a universe of people that believes anything they read in the new york times or on cnn and or see on cnn and i think that um i i all that i think that his rhetoric does is is literally take a sledgehammer to that wedge that's already there and kind of push it down even further and i think that the the what where I where I wonder aloud and don't know the answer is, is how this is going to play out in the future because this is not sustainable in my personal opinion and and I think what's fascinating to me is as someone who worked at the New York Times for many years, I remember when I first got there and you know we would put out a big investigative story on the front page and it would have a huge impact. I mean, look, I was there when. When uh, Judy Miller was there and like helped, you know, send 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 America off to war with with these stories that weren't weren't correct, and it it was a it was an institution, and it wasn't just the Times; it was the Washington Post. It could be a big breaking story on on a cable news outlet, and they all had an impact. And now you see these stories that are like a year or two years in the making of tax. You know, frauds and 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 people, you know, having all of these things that they're doing wrong and work for the government and lies under oath. All you know, and they do nothing. It's just like this is like also
1: a, you know, this is like that 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 cadence of stories in early 2017. The earliest stories about you know the 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 Russia. Well, it wasn't a Mueller probe yet, but the earliest stories about, you know, possible ties with Russia and, I mean, those all, I, I there was that moment where it was like every night the Times or the Post was dropping some huge thing and you're like kind of starting to be like, oh, this is the end. You know, there's been a lot of those moments where you're like, oh, is this <laughs> is this the one? Is this the one? And, and, yeah. and, and it and never is. Um, and, you know, the other thing we, that's worth noting is that, you know, in terms of like animus towards... Probably mostly the Times. I would say this is this is you know somewhat specific to the Times. Is you know they don't always need they don't need Trump attacking them to to get into to to in, into into trouble. I mean the, there's they have this a big problem with the left and um, well that was going
0: to be my next question for yeah. you. So you've written about this before um, recently for Vanity Fair. You know the Times has kind of found itself. It's it's interesting because I I look at the Times and the Post as two of the last standing. Victors in this war that essentially melded together, you know, blogs and news outlets and online, you know websites and uh, even even a lot of cable tv shows and, and and news uh news sources and really the last two standing for for a while it was just the times and now now it's definitely the times and the post and mm-hmm. i mean who who reads time magazine for well little yeah and the, the
1: the journal to be fair the journal is kind of like they've they've got they've started getting a piece yeah that, the journal too a few the yeah. la times is a little bit on the on the rise again they're if, they're you know. on the
0: rise again but but,
1: but you're no right one. it's really it's it's, it's the, the 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 post and the times are the the they're the lions, really,
0: but no one gets attacked like the Times does, and what, and it, and not just by the right, but but by their own. I mean, there was that headline that you wrote about, you know, that where after the the, the two big mass shootings recently uh, in El Paso and Dayton, and it was and it was a Trump headline. It was assailing hate, but not guns. And the internet exploded, and Dean Baquet had to come out and do interviews, and and it was all that everyone was talking about on the liberal news outlet shows, and you name it. And we're talking about it right now. Why is it? Why? Why do we? Why do we care so much? And I'm I'm cure I'm not asking this because it's more of a rhetorical question, I guess, but why is it so impactful what three or four words on the front page of a newspaper where no one actually reads the front page of the newspaper anymore? They read it online. It's going to have a totally different headline. Why is that torn to shreds?
1: Well, I think part of it is that the times for whatever reason, as an, as an institution has always been like more, you know, mythologized or, or scrutinized, certainly by people like me, like me, you know, people who Report on the media, people in within the media, um, and especially in recent years, as as you know, before the post, you know, really came roaring back under under Jeff Bezos. Um, you know, the Times more than any, at, you know, really it really was just the Times at that point in terms of like big, robust, muscular newspapers. I mean, the Times is, was the, is the paper of record. It's um, it's it's a place that people I think look have looked to as setting the agenda consistently over the years more than any other. So there's there's kind of like you're starting already at, with a place that is like more scrutinized and, and and talked about than than any other. And then I think that that has been magnified by in you know in this in this era um you know by Trump he you know he 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 goes after every, lately he's been going after the post a lot too but definitely like there's a special um uh, hostility towards the New York Times, um, they have had kind of like also a track record of some really bad gaffes that people can always fall back. Especially people on the left, they can always you know go go back to Judy Miller um, or Jason Blair. That's um, kind of like this baggage they're never gonna really live down um, with with their critics. But I I, I just think it's been mag- I think that's really magnified every you know more and more and every so every time there is like some error, uh, of, of news judgment or, or or whatever it is, or an opinion columnist tweeting something that, you know, uh, pisses people off. I think it's just, everything is like magnified. Every, everything, the volume is like dialed up, you know, to like a hundred where it used to be on 10 or something like that. And I think that the times, you know, has just like, is a lightning rod more, you know, in, in that way. Um, you know, more than, more than other outlets. And they do sort of like have this reputation also as you know for like kind of like navel gazing and you know kind of like tradition and legacy and not being able to really like break out of that there's there's a whole like mix of things that you know to answer your question that i think make the times such a target but when something like this the the, the fascinating thing about this most recent blow up with the with the headline was not to me and we i talked about this with 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 uh, our editor uh, john homans a bunch that the basically Dean Baquet admitted, you know, that, that as the executive editor of the New York Times, he's not really looking at the front page anymore. You know, th- this was like a mistake that, you know, some anonymous um, editors who actually lay out the paper um, made because they didn't have enough space and they didn't have enough time to really think it through. So like, it, you know, Trump urges unity versus racism was kind of more, like it was more astounding to me that, the front page of the New York Times on a really big important news story like wasn't getting scrutiny from you know the masthead the way it used. to. I mean you, you know probably when you were there there was still a page oh, yeah, there I was still remember. a page one meeting everything was about the front page you know and it was probably pretty fascinating to me that that's where we're at where like the executive editor is not even closely monitoring it anymore um, and then so then then look what happens you know the next the next all it takes is one tweet to completely. Uh, you know, get get the pitchforks on them. And what do you think? What do you think about that? You know, the kind of like the the way that page one, as um, you know, uh, you know, front page real estate as as a symbol of power, has been kind of diminished.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I think that the reality is, is that I'd always waited for that to happen. It always boggled my mind that there were there were fifty people in a room twice a day, sometimes three times a day, for for one to four hours, essentially deciding five stories that would go on the front page. Um, but I think that as I mentioned earlier, you know, when I, I remember first being at the times and seeing the impact it had and it made sense. And then as I, as I left, you know, 15 years later, um, the impact was no longer there. And so it, it didn't make as much sense. And I think that it's, there's a big part of me that thinks like, Oh, it's great that, that Dean Baquet doesn't look at the front page anymore. But I, I think at the same time, uh, you know, in this world where everything can and will be used against you down to, like, the a, a single word or a single comma or whatever it is, um, uh, it's clear that, you know, that you kind of have to be on the defensive in, in all aspects of things. You're
1: listening to Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton.
0: Hi, it's Radhika Jones, editor-in-chief of Vanity Fair. If you love digging into the week's political headlines... Do you think that when when you look at, um, at what we what we're seeing right now with with this with the you know the the bed bugs attack against uh, Brett the Stevens. Times columnist yeah. about Brett Stevens and that whole chaos and if you don't know what that is then good for you listener uh, that you you were not uh, subjected to that um, but do you think that it, it's, it doesn't seem like, when you look at the, the landscape right now, it doesn't seem like it could get any worse, but yet it keeps getting worse. Do you think that, what's the future of this all look like to you? Like, what is the future of media in the next, like, couple of years during the election look like? Does it just get dirtier and dirtier and, uh, and more ridiculous? And do you think that eventually there, that there could be a moment in time where we... There's something that fixes it, whether it's a technological thing or people are like, I'm sick of watching Tucker Carlson or I'm sick of watching Rachel Rachel Maddow or whatever it is. Is there going to be some sort of pushback or something?
1: So I think you're asking this question from the perspective of like – credibility and trust versus uh the news business like business models which are also in under in in trouble right well not
0: just not just credibility and trust i think it's i i think that the problem i have and this is and and i would love to hear your take on this but my problem and i've said this before with media today is that i think it it predominantly there are incredibly important stories that come out and and you know, as someone who covers tech uh, and has done for a long time, like all the reporting on Facebook was was astounding and needed and led to congressional hearings and will probably lead to some sort of regulation, fingers crossed. Uh, but at the same time, like when you look at like political stuff and even cultural and so on, it feels like the media does more to divide than it does to unite than pretty much anything uh, other than Donald Trump, of course. Right. And and I yeah, and so the, my question is: is 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 this just is just the world we live in, or will will it change at some point? Yeah, like will
1: it will there come a time where those those however many people actually um, you know believe what the New York Times writes again, or have they will they just forever believe that uh, the mainstream yeah. media is fake news? I, that's such a, you know it's, just, it's so hard to answer that question. I, I hope I think in my mind like there is. A part of me that just is waiting, as a lot of people are just waiting for, oh, eventually things will get back to normal, right? You just kind of feel like someday this will all this will all all correct itself. Um, you know, I think a lot of this depends maybe on what happens with the, with the next election, what our what our uh, government looks like, who who is who is running the country. Um, that said, that you know, if if Donald Trump is not reelected um, and things do start to return to sen- some sense of of normalcy uh, you know that could only further you know um, you know drive a wedge between uh, the types of people who were inclined to you know believe everything he said for the previous four years and those who um, you know have a more measured, a more measured take on things. I you know. I, I just don't know. It's it's a, it's, a, it's something that I, I think about too. I mean, I would like to think we'll get back to a place where like you feel like, okay, I'm going to write something that's true. And I don't have to worry about like 50% of the American public thinking I'm like a piece of shit. Who's like a liar, <laughs> you know, making, making stuff up, but who yeah, knows, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's hard to know how can we like come back from that point? It feels like things have, like you said, I feel like the two universes have gone so far, apart that like yeah, know, can you
0: can you reconvert people you know <laughs> does that make sense that was a kind of a yeah it uh, makes to- it makes total sense i think that I I, I I think it will take i think honestly it's it's going to take i don't think the media institutions are um, adult enough to change the way they do things i think that um, i think that there's going to have to be a systematic change from the consumer and for me, I feel it like I, you know, I don't watch cable news anymore, any of it. Period, because I think it's all just there to suck away my life and my time and and uninform me in many respects. Um, well, that's also go, but you know, uh, I stopped
1: a while ago, probably maybe a year ago or more. I, I pretty much stopped. Remember when you were like when Twitter was first catching fire and you were a journalist and it was like you have to be, you can't just like tweet out a link to every time you publish a story you have to be engaging and responding to people and being part like that was the what you were supposed to do for a long time and now i'm like i will only tweet something if i have a story that i need <laughs> with the, with a link because it's the same thing it's like
0: it just it's more toxic. i don't even i don't even tweet the you stories don't even tweet anymore, the stories like, anymore mo- you know it's oh, a, no no most of the time if i if i do bother i just retweet somebody who else has tweeted it because i don't want to deal with the the response like the other day i don't even remember what it was it was like a Oh, it was Ruth Bader Ginsburg, right? She, I get that news alert uh, that we all got that she had, um, they had, they found pancreatic cancer on her. It was benign and she's okay. And, but you read the, you know, you get a news alert with the, the name Ruth Bader Ginsburg and you think, like, oh, fuck, she's dead. Like, that's yeah. literally the first thing that goes to your mind because of the, why else are you getting a news alert? Or she's, or she's retiring or something. And literally, you, I just, I, I, my heart just kind of stopped for a second when, or it felt like it stopped. And I tweeted that and like all these people come after me, oh, you're just a snowflake. You're just trying to get attention. Like you, it's, and five years ago, people would have been like, I felt the same way, or they would have ignored me or whatever it was and i just afterwards i was like why did i bother i don't need to have a conversation with these morons yeah and and i think that so now even when i have an article like a half the time i don't even tweet it because i just don't really care what these people have to say and i wouldn't invite them into my home to have a conversation with me about it so why bother on my in my home when i'm on my devices and i right. but but i think you you've we've seen this pushback with technology, you know we bar- rarely go to Facebook Everyone I know at least rarely goes to Facebook anymore because every time you post something it's like an argument or or the algorithm you know gets inside your head and head and messes with you and and you're now seeing it with I believe a little tiny bit with media um, and there's a kind of a little bit of pushback and I think that you're gonna have to see that pushback before you see some sort of um uh, response to it. Uh, I also feel where, like, where, you where know, changes.
1: I, I might be, a, I might say something that will like will you know be an unpopular opinion, but don't you just feel like there, you know, I mean, there's there been an explosion in, in digital media in the past 10 years. There's arguably more than ever before. A lot of it has failed or is starting to fail. Um, and to, to some extent, there's too much media. You know, I think whenever I hear of like new things launch, I'm always like, there's already too much out there. And I, I, I wonder if like we need like a pairing there needs to be like a pairing back in some way too because there's just too too much for people to read too much like too much varying quality that is you know treated with equal weight you know on, on social media or, or in the conversation or, or wherever I mean so I'm, I'm curious to know also you know over the next few years as we see more media you know either sink or swim um, you know and what the what the what the field you know, ultimately, looks like five, ten years from now, what kind of effect that will have? Because you know, the traditional legacy media, print, print-based newspapers, the big ones, at least, not the small ones. That's a, that's a separate conversation. But it's kind of like right now, it's it's a good m- moment. It feels like things are resurgent, um, and you know, the Trump era, you know, is is seen as a, a kind of like a renaissance for for good journalism. Whether it, you know, to your point, it's having the same impact it, it would have had before or not. Um, so, I mean, I do feel good about, like, the bedrock media of, of the country, you know, um, like, kind of thriving and, and finding, you know, sustainable paths and, and, and all of that. But I th- I do think that like more I think there is like a, a sense of like people want to unplug whether it's like I just want to read less media I'm only going to read these three sources I'm gonna I'm gonna stop I'm off Twitter I'm not watching cable news anymore you know how much of that is just people like you and me who, who are like getting to that point um, how much of it well is but like, I do
0: think that I do think that we are um, uh, we are at a point where what we do is you know the people that are. Working in some sort of field is usually the the thing that comes afterwards, and I think we're there. And I think so that you know it's actually a perfect segue into the kind of the next thing that I think is fascinating is I remember a time where just on this podcast alone, if Trump's name was in the headline, that we would the twenty percent, thirty percent more listeners would would click on it. And now you put his name in the headline, uh, and it it drops, and uh, and it seems like we're at this burnout point with trump and he's still he's still able to once in a while say something just insane that gets everyone being like what the but this past weekend for example uh labor day weekend he um i don't follow him on twitter anymore and i barely look at twitter but but um but i read uh, somewhere that he tweeted i think like a hundred times or there was or retweeted people whatever and none of the things he said really kind of ever made i don't know what he did i don't know what he talked about uh because it never made it into my feed into my stream into anything um and um and so i guess the question is is, is when you look at 2020 and what he's probably going to do to try to get attention is he going to go i mean if it's possible i'm not 100 sure it is possible is he going to kind of double down and try to go even more ridiculous, more racist, more um uh, more on the attack, more aggressive. Uh is he going to have to change strategies to get more attention because as we just talked about, you know, if hit if if his name in the headline is reducing clicks and listens and so on, the media will will be like, "Oh, well, people don't want to read about that, so we're going to kind of change it a little bit and do you think that it's going to have an impact on him, this kind of Trump slump, as we call it?
1: You know, I don't know. I think, you know, the. I think that the Trump the Trump bump, you know, which after the election, there was like just, you know, like you said, it was just traffic, you know, galore and an endless appetite for anything about the current political drama. I, I've always, I wonder, when I was thinking about this this question earlier, I wonder like how much of, you know, the type of traffic you were seeing was because of the type of, Story. Like, I feel I wonder how much um, of the bump ultimately had to do kind of like with the Russia story, which was kind of like the arc of the first two. I mean, part of it was just that after the election, there was a lot of like, you know, sh- people were shocked and they were rushing to buy subscriptions to the to the New York Times and the Washington Post or wherever. And, um, you know, we just consuming any any piece of political coverage they could. But, you know, there was this rollicking political thriller that was also unfolding. And I, I think that probably, I don't know if you agree, but I, I would think that kind of really captivated audiences and drove a lot of a lot of the traffic around, uh, you know, Trump-related content that's sort of gone away. We're kind of pivoting towards a more, you know, I don't want to say traditional because there's nothing traditional about, um, you know, the 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 era we're living in uh, uh, politically. But we're, you know, we're going more into like an election story. Um, and I think that probably with a lot of these tweets, at least, you know, the way he attacks the media, I think that's probably seen by him and 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 his. His people as as good politics. I was talking to a White House reporter earlier about this who said basically, you know, he's heading into re election. Um, you know, he thinks this is good politics. It's an easy win for him. Uh, and with regard to the media coverage, that he genuinely believes that the coverage is horribly unfair to him. That, like, you know, he has this, his, he's this historic great president and all of us are just like dragging him down. Uh, like I, I heard. He genuinely believes that. That's what that's what this person was telling me, and that and that you know, um, you know, recently, uh, you know, White House reporters have been getting like calls and and meetings uh, you know, with officials who are like asking them like, why is the coverage so bad lately? And this was especially apparently um, uh, driven home during the trip to France for the G seven summit. And so I think that part of him really believes like what how how can they not see what a great president I am? Why are they why are they? He genuinely believes that. They, you know, we, the press is just like out to get him um, and he needs to fight back and he needs. And, you know, this also ties into something Maggie Haberman had a tweet that was getting a lot of attention a few days ago where she said that she spoke to a Trump advisor anonymously who said weeks ago. I'm reading her tweet now that uh, the president, whose own approval ratings have stayed upside down, needs voters to feel negatively not just about his opponents, but about longstanding institutions. So so that signals to me that, yes, like this is attack mode. Um, uh, so I can I if I was a, a betting man, I would guess that it probably continues to escalate and get. You know, if not worse, at you know the same level that we're seeing lately uh, with his attacks on on the media and and others. Did you, do you agree?
0: I, I I totally agree. I just I just I, I the sh- it's like how much I remember as a kid, I was a teenager, um, and uh, I must have been I don't know 12, 13 years old. I was like a you know a boy and my friends, all my all my. Male friends, one of them, like one of their older brothers, had gotten this video tape called "Faces of Death." Oh and yes, yes, yeah. I yeah, remember was seeing this, that at like Blockbuster. You
1: know, like yeah, in the, like, and
0: it was this like revolting video of people dying, like whether it's like in car accidents or I mean, you can get them on YouTube. It was now a whole series, point.
1: right? There was like a series. but it was a whole yeah.
0: series, and it was a whole thing, like a cultural thing in the '90s, and and. And there was like some pretty brutal stuff on there. And I remember the first like watching the video. And I was like a young kid, a teenager. I shouldn't have been watching it, but I was anyway. And I remember the, watching the first video and being like, oh my God, totally freaked out. And like, and then, then they're, they're short clips. And I remember like 20 minutes in, and you've watched like 40 of these already. And I was like bored. Uh, and it was just what didn't have any impact anymore because it, it just became this like, this media thing that meant nothing, and I like I was like I, I don't really want to watch this anymore. It's not that much fun, uh, and I don't feel like it was awful to watch, but it just it didn't have the awful impact that that first video did. Right. So faces of and death I, is is like Trump tweet fatigue essentially. It's Trump everything fatigue. Trump I everything feel fatigue. like, yeah, and I remember like you just you, you, I mean, my friends and i talked about it years later about how you know how a stupid those videos were and i can't believe someone actually made them and they had them in blockbuster of all places but um, but uh, that we that the impact went away very very quickly you got that quick media fatigue and you you know you you see it when you go to the news now you you, you don't click necessarily i remember in the beginning i think a big part of the reason everyone was so intrigued by him in the beginning was because we had this belief of oh well maybe he just said it to become president and then when he's president he won't do it anymore well that's well, course, that's what, what i was, he do? that goes back to what i was yeah. saying it's like there's yeah we're just not as shocked by the other the other so we're not shocked yeah yeah
1: the other great like um, you know, journalistic. I don't want to say like innovation, but um, you know, there, there's this kind of like this genre of of you know White House gossip, where it's like a Washington Post story with like 17 sources describing this crazy like blowout or, or see. You know, those that was kind of like those stories were such a hot thing. I feel like those you're not you're not like seeing those as much anymore. The Russia story's over. Um, you know, I think you know people just kind of like sick of seeing his tweets. But that said, you know, the election is going to, you know, traffic, no matter whether it's Trump or like Romney versus Obama, which is, you know, uh, you know, it feels like a total snooze comparatively. Traffic's always much higher. And I think, you know, I wonder, you know, if the election in general, like the, you know, as we get closer to, to um, the real like fight for the, you know, the Democratic nomination and then the general, like, I think that will revive, You know, I think that, that, you know, audiences will will definitely come back for that. And Trump's going to be a part of it no matter what. The the thing about the era we're in is that, like, every story, almost every story has some Trump angle to it. You know, Um, it's inescapable. Uh, This is what was so funny about, um, you know, when I reported earlier – uh, this year about what would the, um, you know, editorial page editor of the New York Times, James Bennett do if his brother, um, entered the race, uh, Michael Bennett, uh, entered the race for, for, for the Democratic nomination. And the Times said, you know, he'd have, you know, he'll, he will step, and he has done this since, since this actually happened, he will recuse himself from all, you know, like 2020 related coverage. And you're kind of like, well, that seems like everything, you know, (laughs) like a series on climate change, a series on this or that. So I, I, I agree with you. Like there's there's fatigue. The Trump headlines. The Trump SEO is not doing what it used to. Um, but I feel like this this election is gonna. You know, the closer we get and the more of a battle it becomes, um, I, I feel like we're gonna see some of the fire come back in terms of like people wanting to read and you know, have a voracious appetite for for, oh, for political God, content. I hope not. I hope not. I hope I, I hope that. But, but it'll yeah, be more. Just, but it won't just be Trump though. It'll it'll be like Trump versus the Democratic. Yeah, yep. it could be. It could be a Bernie Sanders bomb. It could be, a, you know, a, who who who's a Democrat maybe that might replicate some of that. Um, I think that know, the best Democrat traffic. out
0: there will be the will be the one who um, who doesn't doesn't engage because yeah, look, I mean, it, it, would, it would be fun to watch like a, a a fist fight in the mud in a bikini, but at the same time, it's like no one's win like no one's beating him. He's just he is he will play dirty. He will do every single thing he can. Uh, to win, and um, and he will be—he's just a bully, and he's a, the biggest bully there is. And I think that, um, uh, so I think that that hopefully, hopefully we won't be. I don't think. It's, somebody said to me, I forget who it was, but somebody was like, you know, dem- democracy was not designed. So that we could sit and read about it for like twenty-three hours a day, like that, it doesn't work if that's the case. Cause it's like, if that was the case, we should all just kind of, we should all be in office and all be making the decisions. Like we vote for these people to do these things, and we should be involved, but we shouldn't be. It should not be consuming every moment of our lives uh, in the way that it has in the past few years. Well, I
1: also in terms of like coverage, I think there's also all these new. Politi- fast-rising political stars that are creating these these mini bumps. You know, there was like a real, there was like an AOC bump. It was a real thing for a while. I feel like Buttigieg yeah, Bud- Bud- became a pretty big media obsession, Beto for a moment. So I think that there's going to, we're going to see more of that Probably like in the bigger context of 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 Trump coverage, you know, like a, as we progress closer to, you know, knowing who the nominee will be or who the the the, the real finalists are. Um, so yeah. that will be fun to watch and see who you know who kind of usurps some of the the Trump traffic and on the Democratic side. You're listening to Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton.
0: Do you think? Um, okay, so I want to move to, to one last topic before we let you escape and go back to your reporting. So there, there was a story this week uh, by uh, Mike Isaac at the New York Times, and there's been a, there was another story about DARPA, um, and um, th- uh, there's kind of like a. It seems like, and I didn't expect this, quite honestly, but it seems like people, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or um uh, the the US government the FBI Department of Justice that they are kind of looking to take on the fake news um problem the real fake news problem not the D- Donald Trump one but the you know Russia planting stories China you know having fake bots that are uh, trying to push you know certain topics of discu- of of not discussion of of hate it seems like Um, We are now kind of entering a point in time where fake news, and I say the real fake news because there is a real version of it, um, is going to be kind of – it's going to become – uh, it's becoming kind of a weapon, and um, the fact that the U.S. government said uh, this past week that they were uh, they were putting together teams to kind of try to build AI to stop and spot and so on, and the fact that there's been meetings with um, federal officials at, you know, tech headquarters at Facebook and Twitter and places – what do you think is going to happen here? Do you think that this is a solvable problem from a technology perspective um, and that the government actually legitimately cares, or is it a um is it just kind of a bit of a ruse to like, say, "Hey, look, we really do care uh, because I don't believe that the there's enough effort being put behind stopping um, fake content uh, around the elections um because it's not in Trump's best interest, of course. Uh, and I also don't believe that, um, that the Facebooks and Twitters of the world really give that much of a shit because if they did, it wouldn't exist. Um, so I'm curious what you think. Do you think that this is actually going to be something that we're gonna is going to have a massive impact on our, on our media consumption in the next 18 months, or is it something that um, might end up actually being stopped? We don't know enough, I think, yet about
1: these discussions. Or I mean, the the, the Bloomberg article about, you know, the Pentagon, uh, I guess, kind of furtively uh, so far to, you know, going after fake news, when I first saw the headline, so the headline is US unleashes military to fight fake news, comma, disinformation. So I, I was thinking originally back to like, the fake news circa 2016, which is like, you know, not necessarily, like, it, it it was more like disinformation it was it was like you know um russians creating a page to like attract democrats and posting like you know kind of content that was like maybe factually incorrect or it wasn't like you know that's kind of wasn't that what fake news was in 2016 it was more like misinformation misleading biased content uh, masquerading under the guise of credibility on on Facebook, actually, this article it's it seems to be they're literally targeting like deep fakes and like you know manufactured videos to make it look like politicians are saying things they're not, and that that to me looks like what this effort is about. And because at first I was like, how do you stop just like biased type of fake news content or like, you know, misinformation type fake news content on Facebook, you know, but this is literally like they're using algorithms to look at like people's like facial expressions or like articles of clothing to like determine if they're real or like doctored. And that was like a whole different dystopian (laughs) type of um, operation to me. So I don't know how that, like technologically speaking, that I don't know how that works. And I don't know, you know, if... If the government, the Pentagon is able to identify, you know, these deep fake videos or whatever, like, is it then on, is it then on them to like go tell Facebook to like get or YouTube to get it off the platform? I I just don't know. I don't know how it would work. Do you have any sense of like, you know, how that would actually work if they, they identify, you know, um, Nancy Pelosi speaking with a slur when, when really uh, she wasn't right. How do they, what, what then happens like to, to get that video off the internet?
0: What I what I find so fascinating is I remember after 2016 I started doing a little research and and wrote this piece about oh you think fake news was bad wait till you see fake video and fake um, uh, fake audio and cited a few research papers and examples and this was this was like three years ago and I I think I wrote in the article that it would probably not be around by 2020 but by 2024 cut to today here we are you know. Here we are, it's here. You know, there's an app that you can now download where you can make deep fakes. It's not the greatest in the world, but at first glance, in a short clip, it actually works pretty well. There's the guy who does these deep fakes on YouTube of like Bill Hader doing impressions of Arnold Schwarzenegger where his face becomes Arnold Schwarzenegger, but you can't actually tell because it happens so seamlessly. There's a fake video that someone made recently with doing deep fakes of, of uh, Keanu Reeves stopping a robbery at a Seven Eleven, and you watch it and you're like, Holy shit. Is that really Keanu Reeves? And, and and then what you start to see is those those moments of where it's applied to politics, and you have a video of Nancy Pelosi slurring, and it really just turns out that all they did was like slow things down and play them backwards and speed them up. There was a, an animated GIF of 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 um, uh, free Melania who was um, was supposedly moving her hand away from Donald Trump uh, and giving him a nasty look. It turned out it was actually played in reverse. Like, and I think that we as a society are we're not capable of deciphering what is real and what is not in real time. I don't think we're built for that. And I think that the technology is moving too quickly and and so much quicker than uh, it has been designed for. And I think the only way to stop it is you cannot turn the clock back because people have seen it and that's it. The only way to stop it is to be able to identify it as it happens and to then stop it. And 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 that the only solution to that is a technological solution because you're never putting the genie back in the bottle of like fake audio and deep fakes and things like that. That will become a norm uh, and it will become the thing that we see. But what you can do is look, you know. Trending topics on Twitter is designed to be able to tell on a location-by-location-by-location basis what is trending in a specific area and why, and if we should highlight that or if we shouldn't. And as a company, um, talking about Twitter, and I think that the question is… If they can do that, Facebook can do that. Facebook can can tell you which post that your friend wrote that's that that is it, about them getting engaged, and that's the one that should be highlighted more. Or when it's your birthday, and we should push that to the top in the, of the news feed, and so on. They do that enough that I think that they should be able to um, uh, to to solve this problem. And it's just a matter of if they want to, and that's that's the big question for me. And I and the perfect example is you know. Facebook said it couldn't solve the anti-vaxxer problem where all these fake news stories about anti about vax vaccinations were being shared all over the place and uh and they were like it's too it's too difficult we don't have the right engineering power and so on and then along comes Pinterest and they're like oh we just took it out of our search bar and you can't actually search for right. it anymore and it van- vanished from our website and so the question I think I have is I don't I truly do not necessarily believe that it is it is there is no incentive for Mark Zuckerberg to stop this, uh, and he hasn't exactly displayed any real uh, in, um, beliefs that he that he wants to um, you know when he went on Kara wishes podcast right. earlier this year. But they and, have to
1: appear and, that they have to appear to be um, grappling with the issue, I guess. Right. Yeah.
0: And I think that I, I just don't think that I don't, I question whether they want to solve it. I question whether every anyone wants to solve it. Why would Donald Trump want to stop this? Well, that's the thing. That's the other thing is
1: that this, this seems to be, these reports seem to be, you know, magnifying the rift between Trump and, um, you know, the intelligence agencies. It it doesn't, you know, Trump has diminished the threat of this, this type of, um, interference, um, and, uh, you know, isn't like Mitch McConnell having, he, you know, he's kind of also, uh, you know, uh, you know, putting a roadblock in Congress to getting something done about this. But then you have the Pentagon who's building this software to try to like, um, you know, determine if the like those those earrings are, are real or not. And then but so that's, that's my question though: is once they so they create this algorithm, they, they, they identify all this, the, you know, these fake um, deep fake videos, but it would still be up to. Mark Zuckerberg to actually to
0: listen to them and remove it, right? There's nothing. I mean, that's, that's what has to happen. Yes. Yeah. It's unless uh, I think that if the government gets involved and they legitimately are trying to stop it, then I think, um, you kind of have to listen, right? I mean, they would, they could probably have some sort of impact, but, um, but I don't necessarily, I, you know, the, the thing that I've heard time and time and time and time again, which is the most nonsensical pile of crap is that. These technological platform, these technological platforms are just a reflection of society, and I think that's bullshit, honestly. And um, and it's just a it's a scapegoat uh, way of saying, well, we don't have to deal with the problems because that's just what society is like. And in reality, that's not what society is like. Um, you know, uh, you you get to read people's facial expressions when they talk to you. You can tell if they're lying. You can you can determine if someone says a building just blew up down the street and the building's not on fire, you can be like, uh, I don't think the building blew up. And there's all these things that are built into face-to-face interactions that are not built into technological interactions. And um, and I think that uh, these, these platforms have never had any incentive to, to fix them. And so it's going to be really – I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the next um, – in the next six months, leading up to the election, and then, and then for, for real, when the election happens.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in your, so you I, I would you
0: would predict that we're going to see like um, videos flying around oh, Facebook of be... Bernie
1: Sanders, you know, like dropping the N word, or Elizabeth Warren, you know, saying this crazy thing or that, uh, coming from you know um, Russian troll farms and. You know, there's going to be a lot of talk about it, but we're not going to actually see real action from, from, from Facebook uh, or or whoever else to eliminate this sort here, of content.
0: Here is my prediction uh, that we'll that we'll see a moment where um, it will end up in the mainstream media, probably end up on like Fox or something like that, or even MSNBC. Somebody will fall for it, where there'll be a video that will go viral. Uh, of like someone behind the scenes on a bus, like a a presidential nominee or something like that. Let's just say it's like Bernie or Harris or whoever it is, Buttigieg or Warren saying something and, and it won't be, it'll be completely fake or there'll be a video of like someone doing something that will be completely fake, whether it will be slowed down or sped up or played backwards or with voiceover or whatever. You know, it's, it's fascinating. I was, I, I Somebody pointed out to me this week, somebody emailed me, they have a company that they take um, celebrity voices and uh, by taking ce- literally celebrities from interviews, from movies, um, they took Brian Cranston uh, and they – fed him one of my books, or not him, they fed an AI version of him one of my books, and it reads the book as if Brian Cranston is narrating my book. It would cost like a million dollars to hire Brian Cranston. Yeah, that's good for sales. It's great for sales. And it and it, it works like I'd say 90% well. Like there's there's there are points where there's like an M-dash and it doesn't understand to pause there. Um and and there are certain words that it, it has a little bit of trouble saying. But I was listening to it, I was like, wow, this is actually pretty impressive. And 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 then they sent me another version, because I didn't respond to the to the to the message. They sent me another version where uh some other celebrity, I, I forget who it was, was doing it. And I, and it was it was fascinating to be like you can imagine a world in the highlight of this is like, I want to read this book, but I want it read to me by Donald Trump, because I think it'd be fun to have that, you know, and the AI does that. And I think that, but you can also imagine a world where you're like, you know, I want to make up a story that Elizabeth Warren said X. And, um, uh, and, and it, it, all it takes is, you know, for it to go viral for two seconds and, that's the whole point with virality. It happens very quickly, and once you've seen it, there's no turning it back. So
1: you think that could sink someone? Do you think? Do you think that's? I don't this think it's happen- going to
0: sink someone. I think it's going to. Um, I think it's going to sway certain people. So, I think what you'll have is there will be certain people who are Republicans, for example, or even Democrats or whatever. But let's just take a Republican who doesn't like Trump anymore and voted for him in 2016 and is on the fence about maybe voting for a Democrat or an independent or whatever and um, and sees one of these videos and believes it and says, you know what, I'd rather vote for Trump. Right. And it'll be a topic, it'll be like a topic about abortion or you know something racist to try to get black voters or whatever it is. Um, and it will have an impact. And um and I don't I and I think that we'll fast forward to twenty twenty one and if Trump wins, which is highly likely, uh, because everyone's already believing the bullshit polls, uh, which I don't think anyone should trust or listen to. The poll is saying um, that it's he's he's uh you know, oh, give me a break. Like they said that that leading up to, to, to the election in twenty sixteen and look who's president. Like um and I think that um I think it will have a big impact. Um. Uh, so and then 2021. Sorry, Zuckerberg will be like, we had no idea what was going on. It's like, come on. Well, let's we can go back. We're on the record now. We
1: can go back to this. Uh, although this was all fake news. So we. So we. Uh, if it doesn't happen, then we're we're covered. This was we, fake <laughs> news. But we can go back. We right. can go back, and you know, you heard it. You heard it first from from Nick Belton. You heard right? it
0: first. Uh, um, all right. So last question for you. Uh, just a little fun one. Not really media related, but. Who, if you had to guess right now, as we're kind of getting ready to go back into some more, some more of these debates and whatnot, who do you think is going to be up on stage uh, across from Trump when it comes to the the, the final uh, debates, the final presidential election? I, I have no
1: actually, you know, informed or smart opinion on that. I wasn't. It wasn't. It lately. Isn't it like. Isn't right now this moment. I know. Uh, um, uh, this week in time isn't isn't like Elizabeth Warren kind of kind of surging. I mean, I feel like, it's, I feel like it's go swinging know. towards Warren and, and Bernie. Um, and I mean, it's funny. Some of it's, it's amazing how quickly, you know, I mean, you've seen like th- there was, there was the moment of, of bet of, of Beto, um, y- you know, which, which we were a part of obviously. And then it was like, before you knew it, this like Buddha just like, you know, crushed him down. And like, you're like, who's this, 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 this mayor. And then he's like, so quickly became uh a thing, you know? And then I feel like I'm hearing about him less, but I, I, but I do feel kind of like the ultra progressive, but also like seasoned Democrat people, Elizabeth Warren and Bert. It feels like right now that's where the momentum is going, but, but it's like, so, I mean, it's still so, it's not far off, but it's far off enough in the sense that like things change so quickly, you know, who, I mean, who knows what, it's going to happen next week, um, let alone in a few months, you know, in, in, in months from now. Um,
0: so I don't know. Well, but I just feel I,
1: like right now, What do you agree like, that it feels like there's kind of yeah. a, a Warren-Bernie upswing?
0: I think it's Warren-Bernie, Kamala. I think yeah. Buttigieg is, is less so. Uh, but, you know, I don't – I was just I astounded that up. he
1: got – he became as much – was. There, there was like a day where he was um, – There he was rumored. He was a here in the Condé Nast building, I, th- I think. I mean, he just, became, he just like kind of blew up so quickly. Uh, that was really – that was really like amazing because uh you know people had to learn how to pronounce his his name <laughs> <You know? laughs> but that even feels like it's re- that already feels like it's receded so let's see so we'll see so um we'll
0: see we'll see no oh, my, prediction my... from
1: me no you you make all the predictions on this on this show
0: my I'll leave my that to guess you. is my guess is that it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a Democrat versus a Republican so we it's oh not not a real republican a fake news a fake one. Re- yeah fake republican. Joe, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been fascinating. I look forward to having you back on after the election. Hopefully, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is still a Supreme Court justice and Donald Trump is being voted out. We will find out then. Uh, Thank you. uh, Thank you for doing this. Thank you. Thanks to my guest today, Joe Pompeo. If you enjoyed this conversation, and I'm sure you did, if you're still listening to me blabber away at the end of this podcast, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton. That's me. You can find these on applepodcastradio.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave the best review you've ever left for anything in your entire life while you're there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And thanks, of course, to my sponsors, Away Travel and The New Yorker support them the same way you support this podcast. I'll see you next week.